You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. I ask you to please turn in your Bibles or your device from the Pew Bible there next to you. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. This morning won't be the usual kind of sermon. It can't be. We had series planned, other things ready to go, but all that is scrapped, paused. Because this can't be a usual kind of sermon because we have had an unusual week. And unusual is like the smallest word we could use. We have had a historic, once in a generation, multi-generation kind of week. And really... I didn't think about my sermon until yesterday. <laughs> so I, what I felt like I needed to do was to give you a pastoral perspective just on what we've been through and really where we're headed and where we're going and really what's coming now for us. My thoughts and really just my encouragements to, to us as a church family. Beloved, we have lived through a disaster and not in the, oh, Starbucks got my mocha almond latte wrong disaster. An actual disaster. And we are living now in the post-disaster. In the recovery and the relief. And while Harvey has moved on from our area, his effects remain. And beloved, God remains. And the church of the risen Lord Jesus remains. We are not flooded because you cannot flood a people who are sitting in the heavenly places with their risen Christ. And nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, as the Apostle Paul tells us. Shall peril? No. Shall tribulation? No. Shall nakedness? No. Shall floods? No. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. We are not beaten down. We are risen. And we have risen to action. I am so honored to be a part of this church. You guys blow me away. I see all the activity that happened this week, and I really had nothing to do with it. Other pastors were like, what are y'all doing? I'm like, I don't know. The women in this church and the other men in this church, it was crazy. We were a beehive this week. A gospel beehive of action and activity and an ant mound of flurry of serving our neighbors. Praise God. And that's why this verse in 1 Thessalonians 2 came to mind. Because y'all jumped to needs. You jumped out of boats, you jumped to sort clothes, you jumped on the phones, you jumped on emails and donations and sandwich making and swinging hammers and hauling waterlogged insulation while wearing masks, M95 grade masks. <laughs> Amen. And so Paul tells the Thessalonian church what I want to tell you. You know what Paul tells them? What he wants to brag about before King Jesus? 
says them. Look what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 2. If you don't have it, it's also up on the screen. He tells the church, and we, your elders, tell you, for who is our hope, our joy, or crown of boasting and the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? What are we going to brag about when the skies are rolled back like a scroll? Paul says, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And Redeemer Church, you are my glory and joy. I love you so much. I've been so blown away by what you've done. And I know all the elders together, we think of you and we're honored. You are our crown of boasting. As I've seen you work, as I've seen you call, as I've seen you just post on social media and gathering information, and I've been next to you dragging disgusting carpet, watching you serve during crisis, you are a crown of boasting. And Lawson said it so well on his Facebook post yesterday. He said, Redeemer is quite a family. I'm privileged to be in it. Just as you don't get to pick your biological family, you really don't get to pick your church family. Sure, you can leave a church, but if you stay, you don't get to choose who God brings or takes. You just live with them, whoever they are. And I've been struck through these Harvey cleanup days. Is it three? Is it four? Three weeks? It's all running together. But there isn't a church family I'd rather have. They are, you just want them on your team, especially when tragedy hits. Love you, Redeemer fam. Then it had like the emoji that's like this. <laughs> and I was sitting in my truck yesterday thinking about what am I going to say? This week has felt like a month. I was only confident that yesterday was Saturday because I knew my sermon was coming. As I sat in my truck wondering what to say to us, one thought kept popping into my head. What has Jesus given us in Harvey? Us. I'm not talking about any other community in any other area. What has Jesus given the people of Redeemer right now and this time and in this moment? This church right here. Jesus has given us clarity. Sober thinking. When the Bible uses those words, a half sober thinking, half sober mindedness, half sober judgment, it means a profound sense of clarity at what is reality. What Jesus has given us is an unshakable, non ignorable insight into Christianity. And it's really this Ah, these are my neighbors. This is what it means to love my neighbor. This is what it means to love my neighbor as myself. This is what the golden rule really looks like. To do to others what I would want them to do for me. Everything we have done this week and everything we will keep doing, we are loving our neighbors at levels at which we have never loved before. I hope and pray that as we talk about now, a church history in the early church in the Roman Empire, we talk about how when diseases were breaking out in Rome and the, early, and the early church didn't evacuate Rome, they didn't leave. Instead, they stayed behind and served and loved and cared for those at their own risk. And the church historians talk about that. Preachers talk about that and go, how amazing. I hope 500 years from now, 200 years from now, people will talk about our church and churches like ours all across Houston, Houston Northwest and Bayou City Fellowship and Tomball Bible and on and on and on and on we could go about look at how the Christians in Houston responded. And you are a part of that. 
We are a part of that. We've been loving at a category five because we've been loved at a category that the Apostle Paul says is immeasurable because Jesus died for us and Jesus rose again for us making us not guilty before God. And now his blood and now his body that's alive in the heavens makes us acceptable before the Father. But don't forget, Jesus has readied us for moments like this, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Titus 2, that he, Jesus gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. So Jesus saves us, he sanctifies us, cleanses us, removes sins from us, and brings us in to be his people. But look at what also happens. He makes us a people who are what? Eager to do good works. This is the fruit of the gospel. Say so you believe the gospel, that we, we love Christ, and we've seen it this week, that he has made this church, though we are not many, we are mighty. We're many at the 10. We're not many at the 830. So if you're coming back next week, please come to 830 or come to 1130. We are not many, but we are mighty. And Jesus made this church eager to do good works. And I, I saw it this week. We now know what it looks like for the golden rule to come to life. And I'm going to tell you personally, uh, and I, I even have caution as I talk about these things, because I don't want you to get any, I want you to think about how cool I was. But I'm trying to follow the Apostle Paul's example, just so how he shared that he was doing certain activities and doing certain things to encourage the churches he wrote to. So I just want to share some stories, mine, other people's from the bodies this week, because the golden rule tossed me onto boat rescues. The golden rule tossed me onto boat rescues. Our house in our area of Tombaugh was perfectly fine. You may know I wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition. I don't, I don't remember what day that came out. They texted me and said, would you write an article about your report on the grounds from Houston, what you're seeing? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go out my window and look, sprinkling. <laughs> this is not a compelling article. <laughs> so I'm trying just to just gather information and, and write what I can. But then it started getting really crazy in our area, as you know. And Natalie and I are watching the news in disbelief, dealing with tornado warnings and, and putting helmets on our kids was our biggest problem. But then our area started flooding on Monday. And the golden rule, the words of our risen Christ, wouldn't let me sit at home and watch Netflix anymore. I, I couldn't. And I began to text and call and put on Facebook, who's got a boat? And then Brian Cross calls me and says, a neighbor of mine has a boat, Gabriel, and we're heading to the staging dispatch area at the Mormon church near North Point. I'm on my way. I go to academy. They're open. Buy some waiters that don't fit. I think I got women's waiters. I don't know what happened. <laughs> if you would have saw me, I, I couldn't lift my leg any, like, like that. It was just, I'm flopping in the boat like a fish. Just get me in there. Listen, I am what you call an endorsement. I don't do these things. I've been on a boat three or four times my entire life. I've never had a callus from swinging a hammer. I get them from keyboards and pencils. But the golden rule wouldn't let me sit by because my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. So we must glorify God with our bodies because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
So the lives we now live in the flesh, whether we're in muddy waters, whether we're making dispatch calls, whether we're buying diapers, whether we're making sandwiches, it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me, who loved me and gave himself for me. I've never been on a boat more than four times, but that didn't matter. I knew how to hand people and put them in a boat. And other men from Redeemer were heading to the same place and getting in boats, jumping in with strangers, going to rescue their neighbors. And it was Brian, Brian Cross and I on a boat with his neighbor Gabriel and his teenage son, I think he's a teenager, little Joey. And we're on the boat. And look at this, crossing Cypress Creek. Five feet of water right here. Not long after this, we went over a BMW in our boat. And I know it was a BMW because Brian went and found it the next couple days and saw the scratches. We, did you leave a note that we went over? <laughs> we arrive. Our first call was to rescue Terry and his wife, Karina. He's an elderly man in his 60s, maybe, paralyzed and stuck on the second floor of his house. As we're talking to him, he's asking me, what are you going to do with me? Where am I going to go? I said, Terry, I don't know, but we're going to get you out of here. We're going to take you to shore, just Cypress Wood. <laughs> and the truck will take you to a shelter or to a friend's house. There was just people everywhere saying, I'll, I'll take people. I'll bring people. Just tell me where to take them. I said, Terry, the alternative is you stay here. Who knows how long, how much worse it'll get, how long you're going to be without power. But we need to get you out of here. He says, you're right. He has this massive electric wheelchair, but there's no way we could bring it. We couldn't even pick it up. And, of course, putting an electric wheelchair on a boat would probably sink the boat and all kinds. So he's got a manual one. We pop him in. They're bringing him down the stairs. And then we get to the boat. And the boat's up here. Thinking, oh, brother. Lord, you got to help us. And I'm so glad he was seat belted in because it was a journey just to get him into that boat. And then more neighbors, people yelling out of the windows, can you help us, help us? Let's go, pile in. We got him to shore, his wife, his dogs, and everything. Why? Because of the golden rule. If I were paralyzed and trapped upstairs, rushing water coming into my home. Every time the door was opened, I would want to be rescued. So in the name and power of Jesus Christ, we went and helped Terry. And then we found this apartment complex, water over cars. It was just unreal. It was like stuff you see in the movies. And we're looking for a pregnant woman and her children, and we, and we can't see her address. We can't see the apartment numbers. And we, someone told us we think we, that she's already been rescued. But then we see, I think it was three little girls and their mom and dad and a grandma, all just sitting on the stairs on the second floor, just waiting, going, will you help us? And the little girls are crying out, girls a little younger than my eight-year-old daughter, yelling, will you help us? Please don't leave us. Help us. I'm like, oh, Lord, please help me. Help me just to hold it together and not break down in tears in front of these little girls. So we hop out. I'm holding life jackets, and I'm waiting over there and just trying to get to them. And they're saying, are you going to help me? I said, yes, we're going to help you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We put life jackets on them. We're bringing them to the boat. And they're just going, thank you, sir. You saved me. You saved me. I owe you a billion dollars. I'm like, it's okay. You don't, you don't owe me anything. You just get in that boat, and you stay safe. You stay dry. Then the grandma comes, and we're holding her hands, bringing her to the boat. And she says, how am I going to get in this boat? 
I said, why don't you just put your arms up and you just hang on. I just grab her and, and just, and they grab her, put her in the back. It was like the reverse. You know, you hear the stories of grandmas picking up cars to save little children. It was like shot of adrenaline, Holy Spirit, here we go. You're getting in that boat. And Brian's navigating us, looking for mailboxes. I think we, we hit a wood mailbox. I don't think they cared about that. The brick mailbox was a little sketchy when we hit that one. And then our boat almost flipped in this crazy current. Brian's jumping out and grabbing people, leading the way, getting addresses sent to him. And also Josh Burkhaw and Lawson and Brandon Eads and Matt Odom. That, the, thing, the second day they went out, they saved around 60 to 70 people working with the Coast Guard helicopter, flying over them. And at first they were just kind of admiring it, going, man, that is so cool. And they see the Coast Guard pointing at houses. He's talking to us. And like they're, they're getting people out of these homes. And then the last day of boat rescues, I mean, there were so many boats out at this point. We got sent to like three different locations. They all said, there's too many boats. We don't need you guys anymore. And we're sitting in a parking lot <laughs> there. We, they told us, go to this staging area. We pull in and we hadn't really, we'd just been driving around all day. I think it was on Wednesday. And someone tells us, y'all got want some barbecue? Y'all want something? And Josh is like, I mean, well, we're here. I mean, we should, uh, <laughs> we should get some barbecue. And so we're, we're eating and then we're like, you know, let's just go home. I don't, I don't know if anything's going to happen. And we're just said that. Let's go home. There's a knock on the window. Constable, you guys ready? We need your boat. You ready to go? Yeah, let's roll. Say, go to the constable station at this place. We got got a job for you. All right, we get there. We talk with the captain. He says, we're going to do some looter patrol in this apartment complex back here. Uh, We'll put an officer on your boat. He's going to have a gun and everything. You'll be good. You guys okay? (laughs) Yeah. They're texting their wives going, I could have done without knowing you were going to do that. (laughs) Natalie says, I wish I was there, you know, like all this. (laughs) And then we ask, can we uh, wear bulletproof vests? Would that be okay? I mean, why not? You can't pass up that opportunity. And the officer says, I mean, if you want, but they weigh 20 pounds. I'm more worried about drowning than I am getting shot. I'm not not wearing mine. All right. So we, we go out with the officer into this apartment complex. It was eerie, like an apocalyptic movie. All the sirens were going off, the fire alarms, windshield wipers slowly going. And we come back with the officer and the Redeemer Rangers. And we all wish, man, we need the SS Redeemer. We need something, like, cool. And I asked the officer, I was like, you know when you fly and your kids get to meet the pilot and they get those little clip-on wings? Do you have any clip-on, like, badges that we could have? He goes, man, I may have some stickers or something back at my, I don't want a sticker. It's amazing to see the hands and feet of Christ at work. I mean, Natalie was work, trying to talk with the, talking with the Cajun Navy, dispatching addresses, making gumbo, and Carolyn and Ryan Snyder were at our house, and I heard Nate Utt and Eric Sands and Dale Guger in flip-flops working to rescue, help rescue, even while his own home was getting water. And then Brad Smith and Gabriel Villarreal and Jose Marino out there with Demo and so many others because Jesus is alive. Because Christ is our Savior. And he tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. If that were happening to me, happening to you, 
That's what I would want to be doing. That's what I would want you to do for me. And so we must do these things, not out of legalism, not out of guilt, not out of obligation, because it is our joy. It is our joy to follow Christ and to do bold and crazy and radical things because we were rescued at the cross. And so we love our neighbors and rescue them and also tell them, point them. I would, I would, as we were rescuing some of these people, I would just tell them as we put them in the cars, the Lord be with you. I'm here because I'm a Christian. The, the Lord be with you. And I, I wish that Jesus was there with us walking on the water, pointing us to boats. And I would just wish he would have been there. And I would be lying if I didn't pray for a little Lord. Can I walk on this water, please? Just give me some. The gospel motivates us to love others. It must, or maybe we don't really know the gospel. That's why Jesus leads us not only to boat rescues, but he leads us to relief and recovery work. That's why our body has been at work with demo and donations and relief and recovery. This will keep going. And as demo began, I mean, Kevin, Pastor Kevin, he was stuck in his house, couldn't, couldn't leave the, kind of the area, and he was just an administrative monster this week. I don't know how he organizes all these things. My brain doesn't work that way. People are calling me, phones going crazy, I'm on a boat, and it just, I'm like, hello, I'm thinking it's going to be a rescue address. Hey, man, it's uh, Pastor So-and-so, uh, can, uh, can we help you guys? Yeah, I got to go. Call Kevin, bye. And, like, <laughs> he's organizing, planning, get everything ready, mobilizing our demo teams. And Evan Melcher gave us the address of one of his coworkers that got water in their house. And our, we had a team go, and we knocked it out. And most of us on the demo team, we, we may never see them again. I hope we do. But Evan will see her. And he will be a light to her every time. And we all prayed together, and they prayed for us. So I think she's a Christian. And then together there at, the, at their office, we'll be bright lights together. Because you know the stories will spread. You know, just like we are all talking about what we've seen and what's happened, that you, in your office, at your gym, wherever your areas of influence are, people are going to be talking. And you can have stories to share about how the love of Christ has compelled you and compelled people in our church to love others. Listen, Evan's neighbor became our neighbor. And the students were amazing. All the young bucks in the church. I know I'm not in the young guy anymore. And I would start saying, man, I'm glad the young guys are here. All the students... Ben Liegenfelter, Grant Rippey, the Yoey boys. And some, some of those I'm sure I was missing. Lee Curry. Just ripping up that floor, hauling big, heavy things. Teams of demo were happening all over Redeemer Church. I could spend all morning just rallying off the names of those who were out serving and loving people in our community. 40-plus men and women who've been on these sites. And then teams of women up here. Kathy Birch and Marsha Curry and Carolyn and Hannah Worley, all working, and Amy Bowles, just, and I saw the Bowles kids and men making sandwiches, making 500 sandwiches, working hard in so many ways. When I say beehive, that is a beehive. And it looked this way until about Friday when now they flipped it all around so we could have our services here on Sunday. You guys are amazing. This is an amazing body of believers. And then how our church rallied for the Googers. Dale and Christina. Dale is one of our deacons. Christina's on staff here at the church. Their house is by Little Cypress Creek. Little Cypress Creek runs through their backyard. 
and their houses up on stilts and still took on water. We brought a crew, taking out sheetrock, moving everything, and there you could see the hands of Christ moving soggy sheetrock, scooping inches of mud and sand all over their deck, all over their driveway. I mean, a creek bed formed in their backyard. That's how long the water had been there and rushing. A creek bed was there. And then this picture of what you see is we gathered last night, nearly 200 of us, and walked through the North Point neighborhood, gathered at Brad and Haley Smith's house where they're staying, and caroled, just like in It's a Wonderful Life, singing Christmas songs in September. I know Amy Bowles loved that. <laughs> As we're all sweating profusely and gave them a lot of money. Not to meet their deductible and beyond. And this week reminds me, it really reminds me of the early church. We are operating like an ancient and apostolic New Testament church this week. As Acts 2 shows us how they acted. Now all believers were together and held all things in common. Opening up homes, loaning tools. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Making sure we're all taken care of. Are we all okay? And it's amazing that the Googers are they're the only family that we know of in our, on our body that has been affected in this way. If you have and we don't know, let us know. We will get a team out there. If you're just trying to do it all on your own and you're just working, do not do that. Let us help you because your burdens are our burdens. Your weeping is our weeping. We're a body, a family in Christ. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, and look at this, and enjoying the favor of all the people. I think we, we know that in our day and age, Christians are not popular in our community. But maybe God has given us an opportunity to, to flip the script in our city that maybe people will look at the Christians and go, look at them. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're loving. Look at how they're serving. And every day, the Bible says, the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Maybe God is on the cusp of bringing a revival to our city. Because I think everyone is fed up with hypocrisy. And we are too. We should be fed up with our own hypocrisy. Definitely the culture is fed up with our hypocrisy. But maybe God has given us the gift right now to show them this is what Christianity actually looks like. As we love our neighbors as ourselves, And may God add to our number. May people get saved. This is our prayer. And I'm, I'm hoping, I just, I remembered last night that as we were going to people's homes and addresses, I was typing them in my phone. And so I want to go back by Terry's house and just go see him, pray with him. As if you were on rescues and you remember addresses, let's, let's go back to these places. It's like, can we help you with demo? Can we help you clean up? Let's swing hammers, let's labor, and let's share the hope of our crucified and risen Christ who gives us forgiveness of sins, who gives us hope not only in this age, but in the age to come. 
Now it feels weird trying to go back to normal. I hope it feels weird for you as you drive to work tomorrow. That you can't just turn it off. Because friends, we can't go back. We won't ever be the same because our city won't ever be the same. Your coworkers won't ever be the same. We can't go back from what we've seen and what we've done and what we've become, how we've loved. I used to have dreams about playing basketball with James Harden. Now I'm dreaming about boats. Now i got to get a boat, I think. <laughs> we have a new normal now. And I think about how just the devastation has affected just my soul. I hope my embarrassing pettiness got swept away in the flood. And I, I hope our complaining, real just idiocy about things that are not eternal got swept away in the flood. I hope that our acreage of self-centeredness got destroyed. And that we'll keep pressing forward to follow Jesus and to bold and crazy and self-sacrificial things because you are going to be stretched. You're going to wrestle with helping as time goes on because we have a long road ahead. That's why the Apostle Paul still tells the Thessalonian church and 2 Thessalonians, he tells them, as for you, brothers and sisters, don't, do not grow weary in doing good. This is the word we need to hear. Do not grow weary in doing good. This week it's going to be the easiest week, the third week, four months from now. Do not grow weary in doing good. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. Get creative. Pray for each other. Pray for energy and strength of those that you know are going out on demo teams, those you know who are sorting, those who are working in shelters, because we need energy and strength to keep going. I, you can notice each, every day, at least myself, Lawson and I were talking, I was like, man, I feel like we're all moving a little bit slower. So maybe this day of rest, and I know some teams are trying to go out today, it's, it's going to keep coming at us, and we must keep going. Jesus wants us to keep going. Remember, he's made us eager to do good works. Ephesians 2.10 promises that he has given us good works, that we should walk in them. So the Lord has prepared and determined good works for you. And it's now our time to walk through them. And more people in our church, I got to gear up for demo. We sent out, I think, three, three teams yesterday. We're going to need more because we're going to get tired. We're going to get exhausted. So we need more people involved that can. More in recovery. Counseling is going to be a need. More financial donations. This won't be like a two-week mission trip where we serve, we come back, and we check out, and we feel good. This is going to be our life for a while. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. And listen, instruct them, this is what I'm, I'm trying to do now, instruct them to do what is good. Be rich in good works to be generous and willing to share. These are the qualities we need. The, the strength of a church isn't, isn't just found in its doctrine and how great its services are. The strength of a church is found in verses like this. And it's good works being lived out. And it's gospel moving and energizing them forward. So let's be generous, willing to share. 
share tools, share time, share money. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. So let's do what is good. Let's be rich in good works. Let's push ourselves to the edge and then go forward boldly with King Jesus, willing to share. And listen, maybe, maybe you haven't done really anything yet and you're feeling guilt. I don't, I don't want you to feel guilt. And I don't think you should perceive that as guilt. You should perceive that as conviction from the Holy Spirit. That he would empower you now to move forward and to do what is good. And I don't know what that'll mean for you. It's going to mean something different for all of us. I know not all of us can get out and swing hammers. Not all of us can get down to shelters. Boat rescues are done. But you can give. You can talk to your coworkers. You can buy gift cards. You can buy diapers. There is going to be an unending list of ways. And we're going to partner with other churches going forward. Like, this is, times like this is when I am so, I mean, I'm always grateful, but even more so, so grateful for gospel-centered megachurches in our area. Because Houston Northwest is doing amazing things. The Bayou City Fellowship, they are doing incredible things. The Village Church, they sent supplies and boats down into our area up in Dallas. So we're going to have to partner with some of these churches and come alongside them. We're going to have to partner with churches all across our area and work together. So we're going to need you. So don't think, well, I don't really have anything to offer. You do. You can wash clothes. You can sort clothes. You can serve at a shelter. You can make food. Even just bringing food to the work sites. These are amazing things you can do. Be generous and willing to share. Follow the Lord's leading and prompting. Talk to your coworkers, your neighbors. Open your wallets. Slide that card. Deal with that awful noise the chip reader makes. Swing the hammer. Make the food. Pray. Share the hope of Christ. Because Jesus has given you clarity this week. That really our hope is not in things that moth and rust will destroy. Our hope is not in things that Harvey destroyed. But the kingdom. So his will be done. His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's join Jesus in his work in our city. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.